You can save money, you can spend money, you can give it away, but most importantly, you can think about it. And it's how those four work together that will allow people to make better decisions in their own lives. That's Paul Sullivan, author of The Thin Green Line, The Money Secrets of the Super Wealthy. Today, from the Your Money, Your Wealth Best of Files, he tells Joe and Big Al how the decisions you make about your money can put you in the wealthy club. It's an abbreviated edition of the podcast this week while the fellows are traveling, but they still found time to talk about how you should prepare for President Trump's biggest tax cut ever, three things you may be getting wrong about retirement planning, and international taxation if you're planning to move out of the country in retirement. Now, here are Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Alan, I'm not sure how we got this guest. Yeah, it's, uh, but it's pretty exciting. It is very exciting. Paul Sullivan's with us. He writes for Wealth Matters. It's a column in the New York Times. And he wrote a very interesting book. Yeah, called The Thin Green Line. It is phenomenal. And I think a lot of our listeners need to read this book and listen to this interview. Paul, thank you so much. I know you're a busy guy. Thanks for a few minutes of your time. Hey, thanks for asking. I, I love chatting. So this is wonderful. Hey, well, well, tell us the genesis of the book, right? It's the secrets of the ultra wealthy. What did you learn? And what are some of the things that we can give a, a couple of nuggets to our listeners? Yeah, it's got this really sexy uh, subtitle, doesn't it? You know, the money secrets. But, you know, it applies to everybody. And, uh, you know, that, that subtitle always makes me cringe a bit. It, it's kind of like axis of evil. I think it took like 17 people to write those three words. It was sort of the equivalent for that subtitle. But the, the, the gist of the book is this, is how we think about money matters more than anything else. And it all started when I got invited to uh, participate in this group called Tiger 21. And Tiger 21, they are all super wealthy. They are, you, know, you need 10 million bucks to get into the club, but you know, most people have 50 million, 60 million. They're, they're billionaires in this club. And you would ask yourself, look, if I had $500 million, why do I need to meet once a month and have lunch with a bunch of other guys to discuss money, right? You think, I'm not going to run out of money. I don't have any concerns. But that's the genius of, of this club. They're there to talk not about you know, how they're going to invest money. They're there to talk about how they're going to think about money. They're going to talk about the decisions they make when they do the only things you can do with money, which is save it, spend it, give it away, or think about it. And being a member, you know, for, for one day, it, it was enlightening for me because, you know, it, I won't give it all away, but put it to you this way. I, I didn't know as much as I, I thought I knew uh, when I was going into that lunch. <laughs> I can imagine. What were some of the things, um, if, if, if there was two or three things that the ultra-wealthy do to, or, or just someone that is wealthy, because there's this thin line, right, between, I guess, being rich and wealthy, and the, the, the title's interesting, too. How did you come up with the title, and tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, the title, the thin green line, if you think of the, the S&P 500 or your, you, know, you think of your favorite stock index over the past 50 years, starts low, goes high, but it's not in a straight line. It's a little bumpy along the way. And that's the thin green line. The people who are on top of it, they're wealthy, whether they make a little money or a lot of money. Everybody else, they're, they're rich and poor. So you could be at the very tippity top making a ton of money each year, but you're really rich. And the difference is, is, is freedom. People who are wealthy are able to make all the decisions and choices that they want to make with their money. They're, they're in control. They control life. The people who are rich, you know, in, in the most simplest context, you can think of somebody who is wildly over leveraged. You know, they may make a million dollars a year, uh, but they have, uh, you know, $5 million in, in debt obligations that they're trying to service every year. Life is going to control them. So the, the point, though, is that 
to be on the right side of the thin green line, to be on that wealthy side, you could be a school teacher. You could be a school teacher who has, you know, listened well, saved her money in the, you know, state-sponsored pension for teachers, saved a little bit of extra, has some, you know, very manageable hobbies, you know, likes to go to church, likes to, you know, go on hikes, maybe take one vacation a year. That person, you know, according to my book and my research, can be far wealthier than, you know, the, the, the corporate titan who's making $500,000, $800,000 a year and is so leveraged that he's, you know, one or two paychecks away from being broke. So wealthy is not necessarily a dollar figure in your bank account. It's basically the control that you have within the wealth that you've created. It's 100%. And it's that ability, you know, to, to make those choices you want, whether those choices are, you know, to go for a hike uh, with your grandkids or to, uh, you know, hop on a plane and, and jet over to London for a weekend. It's all about having those choices and knowing that, you know, when you make them, you're not endangering some of the essential things in your life. You know, it's funny. Um, Al and I are financial advisors. We sit down with clients quite a bit. And uh, people look at the present and they extrapolate the future like there's not going to be any changes. You know, so that's where we see high leverage, very large incomes, very little savings. And some of the favorite parts of my book was not necessarily like you can learn a couple of ways, right? How people do it right or how people do it wrong. And some of the nightmare stories were, I think, more enjoyable for me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, one of the things I learned from, from these, this group, Tiger 21, is they were so aware of risk. They were so aware of things that could go wrong. And, you know, look, in general, would we rather, you know, read about the guy who inherits, you know, $10 million and ends up broke? Sure. It's, it's fascinating. It's utterly fascinating. But to me, it's that person who, you know, earns the $10 million bucks or the $20 million bucks or whatever the dollar amount is, but, you know, 300,000 and finds a way to to make it last and finds a way to do all the things that you know he or she wants in in life that's i mean to me that's a person who's wealthy so so paul uh, so the thin green line so it can go either way you know you can get there but you can lose it and so the, the, some of these wealthy people that you've been talking to, they, they spend a lot of time figuring out how to save it and or how not to have too much risk to lose it. Absolutely. And, you know, what, when you're that wealthy, what, what are you concerned about? I mean, so many of these people are concerned about what's going to happen to their children if their children get that money. You know, are their children going to be able to hang on to that money? Or, you know, they're concerned about... Look, if you have that much money, you're like that, you know, 10-point buck in the wild. Everybody wants to come after you and, and, and pitch you something. So how do you make those decisions with your investment so that, you know, you're, you're growing your, your, your wealth, but at the same time, you're not taking so much risk? Because why do you need to take risk? If you have, you know, 15, 20, 30 million dollars, you know, it, it, you know an, an extra million or two is great, but you, you, you'd rather not lose you know, 10. This is, you know, kind of behavioral finance 101. This is the, you know, the great loss aversion. And so, so much of the thinking is, look, I've been very lucky. Uh, I've gotten to this point. I have a ton of wealth, I'm very successful. Uh, I have a lot of choices in, in life, but I know very well that it can all uh, very quickly go away. So how do I protect that? How do I protect it for me? And how do I protect that for, for my family? You, you know, you have a, um, a, a unique personal story uh, to, to make your wealth. Give us a little t tidbits about, uh, about your own personal journey. 
The, the good part or the bad part? <laughs> I guess all the above. Yeah, we'll take you. Well, yeah, you know, uh, look, I, I, I say, and, I, and you know, half joking that you know, I'm, I'm probably one of the only people who could have written this book because, you know, I started off in, you know, the bottom 20 percent. You know, my, my, you know, dad went bankrupt. My parents had a lot of problems. You know, my, my house, my, my only. <laughs> it sounds like a Rodney Dangerfield joke, but you know, my only friend growing up. Uh, robbed our house uh, when I was 16 years old. And, and so like, wow. if that's not, you know, when, when I hear my kids complain about bad neighborhoods, I'm like, kid, you, you don't know what a bad neighborhood was. Um, yeah, and, and now, we're, now we're in the 1%. Now, uh, you know, uh, the, the either, you know, much reviled or the, or the much idolized 1%. And it's, it's been an interesting journey, but it gives me perspective on, you know, look, it, it, it can go away, and, you know, how do you make sure – it, it doesn't go away, and and more importantly, you know, how do I, you know, talk to my kids, my kids' friends, so they understand, you know, that this is a lot of a lot of it. Look, there's luck involved in everything in life, good luck and bad luck, but a lot of this is is decisions and being aware of the decisions you make, and just as importantly, your 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 behaviors. I mean, no matter how much money you have, you 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 can't have everything, you know. Even if you're Warren Buffett, I mean, look, Warren Buffett, he doesn't even have his own jet. He uses net jets. I mean, that guy's economizing. If he's economizing, you know, we, we all have to make choices. You know, that's what we can all learn, no matter, you know, if we're a teacher or, or we're a billionaire. It's choices matter. Yeah, Paul, I, and I think sometimes even little decisions can make a big difference. 100%. 100% because, you know, it, it's not one gigantic, I mean, yeah, I guess sometimes it's one gigantic decision that causes somebody financial ruin, but, but more often it's a, a series of, of incremental decisions that, add up over time and you look back and it's you know i don't want to pick on people for the spending but the, the easiest example is probably that, that credit card bill if, if you had a little balance every month you know 200 bucks a month well what does that become over 12 months well that becomes 2400 bucks you know two years 4800 bucks and it, and it start, and, and that's not even with with the interest involved and it starts to grow exponentially and i think that's what people need to be you know, really aware of. Because like I say, you can save money, you can spend money, you can give it away, but most importantly, you can, you can think about it. And it's how those four work together that, you know, I hope uh, will allow people to make, you know, better decisions in their own lives. We're talking to Paul Sullivan, uh, the author of The Thin Green Line. Well, where's the easiest way to get your book? Amazon? Amazon, sure. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> and where else can they get more information about you, Paul? Go to my website, pauljsullivan.com, or you know, go to the New York Times website and type in my name, Paul Sullivan. A whole bunch of stuff uh, pops up that you can read over the weekend. All right. Well, hey, I know you're busy. Thank you so much for uh, taking a, a few minutes out of your busy day to join us. Um, it was so fun to talk to you. Thanks, guys. I really loved it. I appreciate it. All right. That's Paul Sullivan, folks. we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Your Money, Your Wealth brings you actionable advice to help you invest and retire successfully, but that's only part of the equation. How do you leave a lasting legacy for the ones you love? Learn 10 gruesome estate planning mistakes to avoid at our free webinar, Tuesday, July 11th at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. Visit purefinancial.com estate to register. Nicole Newman, attorney at law, and Joe Anderson, CFP, will answer questions like, 
Should you have a will or a trust? How do you protect your assets from probate, in-laws, creditors, predators, and the expenses of long-term care? How do changes in estate tax law impact your existing estate plan? Visit purefinancial.com estate to sign up now for our free webinar, 10 Gruesome Estate Planning Mistakes to Avoid, Tuesday, July 11th at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. That's purefinancial.com estate. It's time to dip into the email bag with financial questions courtesy of Advisor Insights from Investopedia and you, the Your Money, Your Wealth listeners. Joe and Big Al are always willing to answer your money questions. Email info at purefinancial.com or you can send your questions directly to joe.anderson at purefinancial.com or alan.clopine at purefinancial.com. Okay, this individual does not plan on staying or retiring in the United States. I'm just here to work until I save enough money to start a business back home. He lives in the Philippines. Okay. Okay? Great. So he's, as of now, he's decided that 20 years is going to be his limit. He's going to work here for 20 years. Okay. Okay. Is it smart to set up a retirement account and save into that retirement account over the next 20 years? And what would happen... If I put the money in the account, if I move to the Philippines, and how does all of that stuff work? <laughs> that's boy, that's a little complicated. That's international taxation. So I mean, we get a lot of people that are expats. We, they say, we okay, do. well, here I'm going to move out of the country when I retire. Maybe it's Portugal, maybe right. it's Spain, maybe it's whatever. So I, I'm going to tell you a few things that I know, and then a few things that I think. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Full disclosure. Full disclosure. So here's what I know uh, is, um, so you're, you're working in the United States, and, and it doesn't say whether you're a, a United States citizen or not. I'm a dual citizen. A dual citizen. Okay. Okay, so there you go. So that means, uh, you know, Philippine citizen as well as U.S. citizen. So being a U.S. citizen... When you, you work here 20 years, you move away from here. If you keep your dual citizenship, then you still are a United States citizen, and the United States will tax you on all of your worldwide income, even if it's earned in the Philippines. And what some people do at that point is they become full expats. They renounce their citizenship so that they don't have to pay U.S. taxes when they're living in a foreign country. Now, to be fair, the way this works for most countries, and I'm uh, this is what I don't know what our tax treaty is with the Philippines. That's a international tax expert. But in most cases, Joe, let's say he lives in the Philippines, and let's say he's still a U.S. citizen. So his income is taxed in the Philippines first, but then it's also taxed in the U.S., but in the U.S. he gets a tax credit for taxes he's paid in the Philippines. That would be typically how it is for so most Philippines foreign countries. Pays tax. Well, so if I'm taking money out of, let's say, a 401k account in the Philippines, right? so I'm going to pay f- tax in the Philippines... And then the U.S. is going to give me a tax credit? Yeah, you're going to pay tax in the U.S. also, but you'll get a tax credit for the taxes you paid in the Philippines. That's called the foreign tax credit. But realize that there is a foreign tax credit for U.S. There's no foreign tax credit for the state you live in. So if you happen to live in California, where we're at, then you're going to pay full California tax in addition to 
the taxes you pay in the Philippines. So you might want to move. You, yeah, you might want to establish residency, let's say, in Nevada or Washington State or Texas that don't have any state taxes. So that might be a strategy. You could renounce your citizenship, and then you don't have to worry about it. Then the only income you would have in the U.S. at, at that point would be U.S. source income, like uh, Social Security, I believe, would still be taxed in the U.S. Depending upon what the tax treaty with the Philippines says, that, that I don't really know, but that would be my presumption. As far as a retirement account, like let's say he had a 401k, uh, could he roll that to an account in the Philippines? That's over my head. I'd have to do research on that one. That would be Phili- that would be U.S. Philippine tax treaty law. Uh, but yeah, very. Then these are common questions, and I got to tell you, it's very complicated. And that's that's where when you are planning these kinds of things, it's it's really good to talk to a, a specialist because every country has different rules. All right, here's the last one, Big Al. Okay. Here's the title of the email. How should I prepare for the biggest tax cut in history? Oh. <laughs> Is he referring to the tax Trump? Uh, the Trump, Trump recently yeah. announced that he is aiming to lower the tax rate for individuals and businesses by potentially 15%. While I feel this is a huge positive for most, is there anything I need to, to uh, prepare for or alter with my finances? For example, should I plan to invest more in my Roth IRA using the after-tax uh, income since taxes will soon be lower? Yeah, well, good question. That's a... Uh, there's a hundred ways we could go with that, uh, but we got three minutes. <laughs> so I, I would say a couple things. That it, as far as individual taxes, the 10 and 15% rate under Trump would become 12%. I think that's the last number thrown out for that those two brackets. The 25 and 28% bracket would be 25, and the 33, 35, 39.6 bracket would be 35. So it's not like taxes are going down 15%. You might save a, a few dollars here and there. So it's it's for a lot of people, uh, it's not going to be a lot different. And then under Trump, state taxes are no longer deductible. Miscellaneous employee uh, uh, unreimbursed expenses are not deductible. All that all that remains is charity and mortgage interest. So some people actually are, even though the tax rates are lower, they're going to have less deductions, they'll actually pay more tax. So, And some single people will be hitting that 35% bracket at a, at a much lower income than under current law, so they'll pay more taxes. Some families with lots of kids will pay more taxes because exemptions will go away. So to just assume you're going to be paying less taxes is is not not a great premise. So so well, I th- he said it's the biggest tax cut in history. That's what the headlines say, right? <laughs> <laughs> and. In, in, in terms of rod, in terms of rates coming down, sure. But in terms of uh, how much tax people pay now, now the truth is the economists out there, which you and I are not, uh, but they, the consensus is that this is not revenue neutral. That uh, it's going to take money away. In other words, there's going to be a, there's if we, if you look at all of us collectively, it's it's going to be a big tax cut. Right, and of course, Trump administration is saying that the the increase uh, the increases in the economy due to less taxes will overcome that, and of course, that's a matter for debate depending upon what your beliefs are. We won't necessarily go there, but uh, yeah, going back to I guess one of the things he said in terms of Roth IRAs, yeah, we're big proponents of Roth IRAs. Whether this tax cut happens or not, get as much money to a Roth as you can, and then inv- invest that for growth because you get rewarded for the growth because 
because you pay no tax on that future growth. Yeah, it's just doing a little bit of homework. Figuring out, all right, well, where do you fall today? What are your deductions, exclusions, exemptions? What's your taxable income? What tax bracket are you in? How old are you? How much money are you saving? How much money do you want to maintain as a lifestyle in retirement? What's your Social Security benefits? Do you have pension benefits? Are you going to have other income in retirement? How far away is retirement from you? And then how much have you saved already in, let's say, a standard 401k plan versus the Roth IRA? And then you can kind of take a look and kind of guesstimate what your tax bracket potentially may or may not be in the future. Um, and then that can help gauge to see, hey, does it make sense for me to be a little bit more diversified from a tax standpoint to have more money into a Roth? So there's a little bit of homework involved. It's not a cut and dry answer. But yeah, I agree with Al 100%. I love Roth IRAs. What, you, there is no better rate than zero. So no matter what happens with the tax code in the next four years, the next eight years, or the next 18, or the next 80, right? there is no better rate than zero compound growth on all of that money tax-free to me and my family. You know, I like that. To learn more about the biggest tax cut in history, visit the White Paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and download the White Paper, Tax Reform, Trump versus House GOP. How might income tax, estate tax, and business tax change? Are your tax strategies at risk? Download the Tax Reform White Paper to find out more. Visit the White Paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Time now for Big Al's List. Every week, Big Al Clopine scours the media to find the best tips, do's and don'ts, mistakes, myths, and advice to improve your overall financial picture. In handy bullet point format. This week, three things you may be getting wrong about retirement planning. Three things. All right. Well, here's the first one. Healthcare costs are going to blow you up. You're going to live longer than you expected, (laughs) and you don't have enough savings. Yeah, those are good, but those are different than what I got. How about this? Uh, thinking you will spend less in retirement because you may be saving to replace 70 to 80% of your pre-retirement income. If you read articles in Money Magazine they'll, or whatever, they'll kind of say, you know what, you don't spend as much in retirement. Uh, but the truth is you may need to replace 100% of your income depending upon what lifestyle you want. Well, I would say the majority of people will absolutely spend less money in retirement without question. And why do I say that? Because they haven't saved, and they by by they have no choice. By no choice, they yeah. have to. Right? You look at what, and now, but what about our listeners? What about what about bank rate? What's that stat that we talked about on the TV show? Yeah, the bank uh, bank rate uh, is tells us that thirty three percent of all Americans have no retirement savings at all, and then you look at uh, another twenty three percent have less than ten thousand dollars. So let me say it another way: fifty six percent of the people out there have less than ten thousand dollars, more than half have saved less than than $10,000 and the next stat from 10 to 49,000 that's another 10%. So we're approaching 70% of the people have saved less than $49,000 and last segment we just talked about the 4% rule. You save 50 grand, well that can generate about $2,000 of income. That's less than a couple hundred a month. That's not going to get you by very far. Well, Minnesota might. <laughs> Maybe. South Dakota. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, but no, I think a lot of our listeners will probably spend more money. Yeah. Um, a lot of our clients spend more money. They, right. They're shocked that how much that they spend, actually. Right. Um, it's like, there's no way I was, I, you know, my budget must be off, or what's going on, or did we lose a lot of money? No, you're... 
taking a lot of distributions. Right. Oh, that's right. We did go to Greece. We did do this. Yeah, right. (laughs) But spend your money. Here's, I mean, God bless you. If, if, you, if, if, you if, if you've it? saved, if you yeah. did a good job, you know, the, the problem is, is that a lot of really good savers, they're terrible spenders. Right. And, and we encourage our clients, please spend your money. It's right. You worked your tail off to accumulate some wealth, figure out a strategy, you know, to, to get your lifestyle how you want it. Yeah. Here's another one, Joe, is thinking Social Security will be enough. Although I'm not sure how many people actually think that. But uh, here's what the Social Security Administration tells us, is that about 48% of married couples uh, will count Social Security as their greatest source of income. And singles, it's about 71% of single people. You fall into that category. Thank you. 71%, that's the majority of their income, Social Security. So you better get married so you can get into that 48% group. Yeah, I know, man. I need to find a... I got to check her uh, w- w- working record first. Well, you do. In you fact, see that's what your top that's 35 first, years of yeah, uh, wages are. The first question, bring your Social Security earnings statement. <laughs> can you please your Social Security statement? <laughs> I want to forecast what my retirement uh, picture is going to look like here. Are you going to bring a little laptop to do a little forecast yeah. at the first date? Well, yep, exactly. We'll yeah, like you know, get a little you know, bar napkin, yeah, drop yeah. the tax triangle. Oh, you could bring a, your... your Notepad. <laughs> sure. Really get into yeah, it. Yeah, my HB, 12C. Yeah. <laughs> Start doing future value calculations of our combined Social Security benefits. Yeah. And- Another one is uh, thinking you can't save in a retirement plan. That's interesting. I guess a lot of people don't really understand that they can save into 401ks and 403bs and IRAs. or They don't take the time to get educated. And this, can, this happens starting at a young age. It's like, well, I don't want to put money into 401k because I'm not going to retire for years. And I, by the way, I need money to buy a car and a TV and I want to buy a house and then next thing you know you got kids and then you're in your 40s and 50s and haven't done much. Right. Yeah, so... Um, well, they don't think they can save in the plan because they. it's not like, well, they don't even know about the plan. They don't think that they can save in the plan because they, they don't have think they can expenses. Afford it. That's the problem, oh, right? Okay. And the, and the thing... Of, again, I blew that one up. I was like, dude, there's that many people that don't know that they can say, what? Do they think they got to be special to this, save in the plan? This says a lot of people don't understand that they can save. They That's can. Mm-hmm. You know what I found is this study. I read this study. And there was a, a group that was working with people that don't think that they can save. And so what they found is that any time that they went to do a transaction, right, they showed a picture of their children. Right. Yeah. And guess what happened to savings rates? Uh, when the when the picture when they so ha- let's say if they're going on the computer and Amazon there, oh, let's spend this. So yeah. Whoop boop, picture of picture their kids. Yeah. Right. Or hey, you know, they they deposit their 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 paycheck. Whoop, picture of the kids. Yeah. Savings rates went up like two hundred percent. Really interesting. So I don't know what that study is. So or what it means? No, <laughs> I'm just saying because if you take a look. Big Al, you love your kids. You'd be yes. like, all right, well, here's, I need to save money because I need to provide. Yeah, provide for the family. That's yeah. true. Me? Yeah. It's, it's I got no pictures not, of nothing. Not it's like, I'm going to the bar. <laughs> Do you have your mom? Come, come yes, up I your should. Computer. Yeah, yeah Ruthie. <laughs> How pathetic is that? All right, we'll see you later. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. So to recap today's show. Social Security alone probably won't be enough to live on. You'll likely need to spend the same amount in retirement as when you're working. And yes, you can save into a retirement plan. If you aren't already, get started now. The biggest tax cut in history may not be. For international taxation issues, it's best to consult with an international tax specialist. And saving into a Roth IRA is a great idea. 
Special thanks to our guest, Paul Sullivan, author of The Thin Green Line, The Money Secrets of the Super Wealthy. Learn more at pauljsullivan.com. Subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com through your favorite podcatcher or on iTunes, where you can also check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, this show is about you. If there's something you'd like to hear on Your Money, Your Wealth, just email info at purefinancial.com. Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Your Money, Your Wealth opening song, Motown Gold by Carl James Pestcut, is licensed under a Creative Commons license.